morning, church family. It's wonderful to be here with you once again. I want to say thank you to Andrea for leading us in uh, worship, and uh, it's just so great to be together. Wish I could be with you all, but I'm so excited to be uh, here with you in your living room or kitchen or wherever you're watching together and listening. Today we're continuing the Master's Master Class on Prayer, and uh, we're on to the fourth petition. And the fourth petition reads like this, give us this day our daily bread. But really, what are we asking for in this petition? It seems like a strange petition to us in North America. I was thinking about it from the perspective of when Pastor Maddie and I were in Mozambique just last year, that uh, you know, people in Mozambique, really for many of them, uh, their daily bread is, is, a, is something they need. They're gathering their firewood, uh, to cook on their stoves, they're, they're gathering water every single day, they're looking for their provision. And so this prayer makes more sense to me in Mozambique. Just on the surface of things, it just seems to make sense. In North America, for most of us, we could survive days and days without having to go to the store. You know, we have running water in our taps, we have all kinds of things. And so it just seems like such a strange necessity to have to cry out to God. And why would Jesus put this prayer in the middle as the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer? Maybe it means a little bit more than we think it means. And when we started looking at different church, early church fathers as they started to explain what this fourth petition really was about. Let me read a little bit of some of those. Martin Luther, the great reformer, the Protestant reformer, said this, Daily bread means everything we need for our bodily well-being. It includes food, drink, clothes, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, and goods. He goes on and he says, A godly husband or wife, devout children, good workers, honest and faithful leaders, good government, good weather, peace, health, law and order, an honorable name, faithful friends, trustworthy neighbors, and things like that. That's how he ends it. Man, that's quite the list. So it was just more than bread. Do you understand? He was basically expanding this understanding of what we're praying for in this fourth petition. And I, I started reading more of these early church fathers, the Heidelberg Catechism of 1563, which was used in the Netherlands. This is what they said when they talked about the fourth petition. Listen to this. Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be blessed to provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that thou art our only source of all that is good. And that without thy blessing, neither our care nor labor nor our gifts can do us any good. Therefore, may we withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in thee alone. And so we begin to see this understanding of the fourth petition is growing. So from Martin Luther, we understand that the bread is not just talking about physical bread or physical needs. It's both emotional and physical and social. And then as we look at the Heidelberg Catechism, we understand that it's talking about coming to a point of dependency, where we get our needs from and our needs satisfied. That's what they're talking about. And then I started reading into different other catechisms. I read into the Catholic catechism and they expanded on it further. And one of the things they talked about was this. They said, hunger in our world calls Christians who pray to sincerely exercise responsibility toward their brethren, both 
in personal behavior, and in their solidarity with the human family. So they're talking about when we're praying for this fourth petition of give us this day our daily bread, they're saying, listen, there's all kinds of people in the world. This isn't just about you. It isn't just about your family. It isn't just about your needs, but you're connecting to the the global community, not only, first of all, in the body of Christ, but also in this world that we're praying for people to receive the bread of God and the provision of God. That's where our word our comes in. You know, we're talking about our bread, our needs. It's not just self and individualistic. Daryl Johnson in his book, which is framing much of what I've been talking about in this series, a great book, by the way, if you want to read it, 57 Words That Changed the World, and he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, obviously. He actually puts the fact that there are six layers into this, into this understanding of what we're praying for when we pray for bread. He talks about the fact that it's physical bread. He talks about that it's everything we need for life in this world and everything we need for godliness in the kingdom of God. So that's the third layer. He's talking about the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us in that life of godliness with God. He talks about Jesus Christ being the bread of life. So that's the fourth layer. And then he talks about not only is Jesus the bread of life that has come down from heaven, he says the Eucharist or Holy Communion is the fifth layer, and the understanding is even greater there. And then the sixth layer is that one day we will teach, and we will eat of the kingdom of heaven, and we will experience the the banquet table of God, and that's the sixth layer of what we're praying into when we pray this. And you're thinking, holy smokes, Pastor Greg, that's too much to remember. Well, we're going to get there, and we're going to understand it even more. And we're going to get it through the framing of the understanding of Jesus' life. We're going to be in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John today. And we're going to kind of go through it. And I encourage you to read that entire chapter because the whole chapter speaks about bread. And really how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all that we need. And everything that we ask of God actually filters through our understanding of that He is the great provider. Church, if we will learn this one thought that if we can gain a perspective of the provider, we actually gain the provision. By connecting to the provider, we connect to all of his provision. But I want to do something a little bit different as I start us off by praying today. I actually want to pray through the first three petitions just a little bit because one of the temptations for me in prayer is that I often will come immediately into the point of need. I come into prayer and I want to jump to the fourth petition because I'm, I'm actually, you know, a lot of times I'll come, I'm thinking about things or I'm having a need or a certain desire and I'm actually a little bit fearful and I'm kind of greedy to get my needs met. And, you know, I think that's why God put the fourth petition where he put it because we have to go through the first three first. And the first three get our eyes off our needs and off ourselves and they turn them to God where we're properly positioned to understand bringing our requests to him. So can we just pray for a minute through the first three petitions? And, uh, and uh, it might take a little bit longer just to pray just for a couple minutes here, church family, but I want you to just take a breath, settle in and understand that God has built this great prayer as a blueprint of how we can learn how to connect to God even deeper. deeper. Let's pray together. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, <laughs> hallowed be thy name, Lord, on earth as it is already in heaven. Lord, we know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we know, God, that as we come before you, we come with a prayer of thanksgiving and praise because we've just gotten a glimpse of you, Lord. We've gotten a glimpse of your glory and your goodness and your grace. And we need to see more clearly, Lord. We need to understand more fully, Father God. And so, Lord, I do pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you more. Lord, we need to know the hope that you've called us to and the glorious inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. We know, Father, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we know, God, that you are as close as the mention of your name. For you are in the heavens that surround us and are within us and around us, Lord. You are so good. God, thank you that your name, Lord, is so powerful and so mighty, Lord God. Thank you that you are an ever-present help in our time of trouble, Lord. That you are with us, Father. You are for us and not against us, Lord. God, we pray for your kingdom to come. We pray for your will to be done, Lord God. And I thank you, God, that your kingdom is a good kingdom. God, it's a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of justice, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that all who are listening today will be uh, taken in and, and, and receive the kingdom of God. For you have delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that you love, Lord. I pray, God, that we will be baptized with that understanding and that hope and that power and that presence today. Lord, we are careful to remember as we pray for all of us to receive from hearing the word of the Lord today. We are careful to remember our friends and people that we maybe don't even know, but our hearts go out to those in Nova Scotia, Lord, who have suffered such tremendous loss. God, we think of the multiple families that have suffered this past week. God, we think of our first responders and our police force, and we bless them, Father God. We pray that your kingdom of peace will invade their hearts, God, that you will comfort those who mourn in this hour, Lord, that you will let them know that they are not alone, but that you are with them today. And we pray, Father God, that you will bless the word of the Lord now. Open the eyes of our heart. Help us to receive and respond to you fully, completely. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, I said we're going to frame this understanding of this fourth petition about bread through the life of Jesus in John chapter 6. And we're going to find out, first of all, that the, the bread of heaven, or the bread of God, is about abundant provision. Abundant provision. Let me read the story to you, starting in John chapter 6, right in the first, first few verses. Verse 5, Jesus sat down and he looked at the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and he said this, where will we buy enough food to feed all of these people? It's a great question. Jesus already knew the answer he was going to do and what he had in mind, but he wanted to stretch Philip's faith, basically, is what the scripture goes on and says. Philip, of course, kind of loses it a little bit. He's like, 
You know, he's like, even if we, you know, it would cost thousands of dollars. Even if I had a year's wages, it would only give a taste or a morsel or a little bite to each person. Then Andrew, Philip's brother, comes up and basically says, here's a little boy and he's got five little barley loaves and two fish. It's interesting, barley loaves represent uh, impoverished. It's the, it's the poor man's bread. And Jesus takes this five little barley loaves and these two fish and he tells the people to sit down. Listen what he says. Have everyone sit down so that the vast, on the vast grassy slopes more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus took the barley loaves. He broke them. He gave thanks to the Father. He distributed them and as people took them, there's an abundance, a super abundance come. The food multiplies and everybody, it says, had as much as they wanted. When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, go and collect all the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And they collected with 12 large baskets, enough leftovers. Each one of them was carrying a basket of leftovers. Wow. What a story. Jesus asked this question again, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people. If I can be really honest with you, church family, my response was a lot like Andrew's. It was kind of like Andrew, you know, he's, he, he maybe looks into the church purse and he's looking at how much money we have. And because we always think in the natural, we start by thinking in the natural, I have to take care of my needs. We have to supply. And, and so, you know, Jesus puts this question on him and, he, and he's kind of like, he goes into this realm of trying to solve the problem. And he's like, even if we had a whole year's wages, it would only give a bite. Remember, the, the, the scripture says there was 5,000 men present, which means there was probably 10 to 15,000 people. This is at the time of Passover, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, that, that time when there, the multiplication of people is happening in the, in the city of Jerusalem. And so there's thousands of people sitting on this hill trying to get close to Jesus. You know, I know for a fact that my thinking would be the same as Andrew's. I'm going to tell you why. As I've been reflecting on what's happening in our world and I've been looking at, you know, all the, the different things that we're going to be going through, I'm going to tell you a little secret about how leaders think. Leaders think about what can go wrong and then they plan and strategize and build something toward solving that problem even before it happens. So I'm just going to tell you, like, even as a pastor, I'm looking at our, 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 our world right now. I'm looking at the economy and I'm looking at different things and I'm like, okay, okay, if things really go south, how can the church take care of the church? And then how can the church take care even of our greater community? So I start thinking about this and you know, we are uniquely positioned. I'm just telling you my thoughts now. We are uniquely positioned as a church because we're a urban church. We're not urban, we're not rural, we're urban. We've got farmers, we've got all kinds of things. So in my mind, I'm going through the list of who the farmers are in our, our church. And I'm like, okay, we got cattle farmers. Uh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, the Baileys, they have cattle. And then we've got, you know, the, the Lutkins, they do chickens. And so, you know, if we increase their number of chickens and pay for the feed, and maybe we can get more chickens and then we'll have more eggs. And, and then I'm thinking about, you know, we could plant gardens. And then I start going into, okay, we have to build some greenhouses so that we have vegetables throughout the year. This is how I'm thinking, church. And then I start studying this scripture. You know, I, <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, great thoughts, Greg. You know, maybe that's what I'm telling you to do, but just maybe relax first 
and come to a point of trusting in me and finding out what I am saying to you in this hour. What is God saying to us, church? How is he leading and guiding us? You see, because the larger plot, the larger plot, church, is really this. The grander narrative, if you want to call it that. He will meet our needs in his abundance. What are you talking about, Pastor Greg? You see, we are praying this prayer. We're actually praying this. We're saying, Father, out of the abundance of your kingdom, meet our needs. This is who our God is, guys. This is, this is what is happening. You need to understand something that's so unique and powerful about Jesus' life. It, the Jewish people had all kinds of fasting days and somber days and solemn days. And Jesus would often have parties on those days. He would actually be partying when everyone else is being somber and woeful. And, oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so terrible. Jesus is throwing a party. You're like, what is going on? Do you understand? This is what Jesus is trying to communicate to us if you read through the Gospels. He's saying, my Father's kingdom is an abundant kingdom. There's no lack. There's no shortage. There may be a shortage in the world. There may be a lack in the world. But there is no lack in my Father's kingdom. And so when everyone else was lamenting, Jesus was partying. You know, I think it was interesting. I started reflecting on you know, you think about Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Did you catch that, that in our text? This was very interesting. Let me read it to you again. Jesus said this, have everyone sit down, is what he said to his disciples, so on the vast grassy slopes, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Do you see the parallel, the connection to Psalm 23 here? They're all sitting on the grassy slopes. They're seated. They're resting in the presence of God. They're not striving or straining. God is about to feed them and to meet their needs. Hallelujah. The kingdom is an abundant kingdom, church. I'm going to tell you, I had to learn this, and I still am learning this. I really am. Every day, I'm still learning it. But I'm going to tell you a little bit of my process when I first became a Christian to, to where I'm at today and where I still am growing today. You know, I used to think that, um, to be honest with you, I kind of started here. This is where I started when I first became a Christian, that, you know, God will give me not quite enough just to keep me humble. And so I, that's where I, I was living as a believer. I was in Bible college. My wife was pregnant. We had our first child. We had nothing. We had it was so little. And, and I don't even know how we made it. But I'll tell you, it just seemed like if anything could go wrong, it went wrong. You know, like our, our car would, motor would go blow up. It, we, our, it, it was crazy. Just all kinds of stuff would happen. And we'd all think, okay, God's keeping us humble. And then we... You know what? We started to realize that that prayer was not a reflection of an abundant kingdom. It just wasn't the heart of God. And so then we moved from that point to enough for our family, but no more. You know, we don't want to be too selfish. So just enough for us and then no more. And then we won't believe you for more God. And, uh, but you know, that was such a selfish prayer. We thought we were being unselfish, but actually we were being completely selfish. 
Because if it's just enough for me and my family, you know, and we're thinking we got to hoard our resources, we have to do all these things to take care of our own. Oh, come on, church. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't just stop there. He wants to give you more than enough. He wants to give you an abundant supply so that you can help others and love others. That's the kingdom of heaven. Think about it. Jesus feeds with five tiny little barley loaves. Think of them like little pita breads. That's what they were. Five little pita breads and and some salted fish. And he feeds thousands of people with 15 or 12 large basket full of leftovers. That is a kingdom of abundance. And so this is what Jesus is trying to teach the people. He's teaching me. You know, the thief comes only to kill, rob, and destroy, but my Father and I have come that you might have life and have it to the abundance until it overflows. See, it's where we're thinking about where our source is that determines whether we live in a poverty mindset or an abundance mindset. Well, the story goes on, believe it or not, in John, it goes on, and uh, Jesus basically then takes them down a journey and a road, not only to provide the physical bread, but then he, he basically the crowds are all excited and Jesus gets on, you know, the disciples get on a boat, Jesus walks on water, that's a whole other part of the story, you can read it yourself. And then they come to the other side and then the crowds wake up, they realize Jesus is gone, they go to follow him. Why? They want more bread. Here's, let's pick up the story in verse 30 now. They replied to Jesus, Jesus is telling them, you know, you got to trust in your father, you got to trust in me, believe in me and that's the bread that you need. They go on and say, show us a miracle. They just saw him feed 15,000 15, people, sorry. Uh, you know, and, and now they're saying, show us a miracle. Show us a miracle. And then we'll believe in you. And then this is very interesting. He says, Moses took care of our ancestors who f- were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert. Just like the scripture says, he fed them with bread from heaven. What sign will you perform for us? See, what they're saying is this. It's very interesting. They're grumbling a bit. Kind of like when you go back to the Israelites, a little bit grumbling in the desert. And they're saying, you know, manna was fed to us for 40 years, Jesus. You did one miracle, but Moses fed us for 40 years. What shine are you going to show us? Give us some more bread today. And it's interesting, Jesus' response. He says, (laughs) I love Jesus. He says, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. It's my father who gave you bread from heaven. And it comes as a dramatic sign for you from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Then they said, then sir, please give us this bread every day, they cried out. And Jesus answers in verse 35 with these words. I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. Wow. Jesus is saying, guys, and I've said this already at the beginning, if you have the provider, then you have the provision. The intent is that he's saying, come to me, seek me. You know, and, and, and for those of you who don't know the story of, uh, in Exodus 16 about manna, what's manna? What, was their, what were they comparing Jesus to and this bread miracle? 
Well, in Exodus 16, we find out that the people of Israel were taken out of captivity, out of slavery, but they were hungry. They were wandering through the wilderness. Probably millions of people, not just a few thousand, millions. So every day they had to be fed, and they started to grumble and complain. And so God basically came, and what happened was this miracle, every single morning, as the dust or the dew would come off the ground, there would be left this thing called manna, these kind of honey little wafer loaves of bread. And the people would go, the Bible says they would go and collect the manna, whatever they wanted to eat, as much as they wanted for the day. And if they tried to collect more than they needed and store it, they would wake up the next day and guess what happened? That bread would be maggoty and full of worms. So God was teaching them a daily principle that they needed to go every day. Imagine millions of people going every day, collecting as much manna as they needed and as much of this bread as they needed, this little sweet, honey, delicious bread from heaven. And the next day they would repeat that process. Again, our provision, listen to me, church, our provision is not in hoarding our resources, but in clinging to our provider. That's what God is teaching right now. You know, we have this incredible moment right now, church. I hope you grasp it. I hope you understand it. I'm praying for all of us to grasp it and understand it. God has given us a reset moment. He's given us a spiritual pause, a Sabbath, that we would return to our senses and come back to the God of our provision. That we would return to our first love. See, all of us became believers and followers of God, not for what we would get out of it, but because we fell in love with God. And because of that love for God, all this other stuff came. And this is what Jesus is saying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will come to you. Do you understand that all of our provision is connected to this one source? That if we will but come back to Jesus every day, every day that we will make it our pursuit, our heart's desire to know him more, to cling to him, to understand him. Hallelujah. We will discover that he is more than enough. Hallelujah, Lord God. And this is why we need to come daily. Even when we have enough physical provisions. This is very important for you to hear. God is not opposed to you having food in your house or your fridge. He's not opposed to you having your freezer stocked up. He's not opposed to any of that stuff. He's not opposed to you having bank accounts and money enough to buy things. He's not opposed to that. But he wants you to understand and come to a point of yielding your life and my life so that we are trusting him for all that we need for life, and for godliness. Let me tell you a story about this. My wife and I were growing in our understanding of trusting God in our lives. When we lived in Fort McMurray, we, uh, we had gone through this process of barely surviving and barely making it to becoming more and more prospered. And for us, that just meant having a few thousand dollars saved in the bank. And then I used to feel guilty about that and then give it away. And I know that sounds crazy. I'm just telling you how crazy your pastor was. So anyway, then, then we began to believe, okay, God, we got to actually save and believe for good things because that's part of being a, a godly person. And so we finally saved enough money to put a really good down payment 
on a new vehicle. We had never owned a new vehicle in all of our lives. And so I was so excited as a provider, as a husband, we had done our due diligence, we'd saved our money, and now I could go and buy my wife a brand new van with my two little kids. It was such a beautiful thought. And as we, you know, we, we tongue in cheek now, we made the mistake of praying. And we said, Lord, now we have this money, we're going to go buy a brand new van. And guess what the Holy Spirit did to us? He said, I don't want you to buy a new van. Now, he didn't say it in words. He said it in our heart and in our spirit. And I was so disappointed. (laughs) I was like, God, I don't get it, but I will submit to you. I'll say, okay, Lord, we're not going to buy a new vehicle. We went and bought a used vehicle, used van, and that served us well. And we had that money still saved towards something else, which we had no idea what God was thinking about. Here's the rest of the story. What we didn't know is what God knew. Several months later, an opportunity came up for us to buy a parcel of land in Fort McMurray. And this is during the time of the boom in the hottest economy in Canada when land prices were doubling and tripling. And we were like, we can't afford that. There's no way we're going to be able to make it. And guess what happened? These lots came on available and they were at like a year and a half to two year ago's prices. And we had to make a decision within an hour. You're not going to believe this, but almost to the dollar, I'm talking within 15 or $25, we had the money in the bank because we didn't buy the new van. Our provision, you see, the Lord had different plans. We wanted a van. He wanted us to have a house. <laughs> you see, it's a kingdom of abundance, church. It's a kingdom of provision. Now you think, well, you know, we built this beautiful new house during this great economic boom in Fort McMurray and it was crazy and it was amazing. And we thought, well, look at this. My wife has this little business going. We're doing great now. We've got our brand new beautiful house. Surely we're, you know, God is, is going to just keep us here in Fort McMurray and we're going to be so blessed and this is going to be so exciting. We had no idea that, you know, God had a different plan for that. And within one year, we moved to the little town of Mournville. Sold our big house. You see, God said, I need you to have a house and I need you to have this because what you're going to do is you're going to sell that money and that money or that house and that money is going to help you to live for the next few years as you go on the mission that I have for you. (laughs) It's not about vans and it's not about houses. It's about the kingdom of God. And as we trusted the Lord, we came to Mournville with that small group of people that that were here and God birthed and grew and blessed to where we're now at now today, which is so exciting. You see, church, even when you have the provision, you still have to come to the point of trusting the provider, that he will lead you and guide you. Hallelujah. See, our greatest need, church, is to connect to Jesus. (laughs) If we have the provider, we have the provision. Amen? I don't know what the future is going to hold, church. Listen, I don't. I see things coming and, uh, you know, my plans and thoughts that are coming in through my head might be God's plans. I, I don't know. Maybe we will be doing community gardens and maybe we will be raising chickens and gathering eggs. I don't know. But, you know, I know this, that, boy, it's sure exciting to know that our Father is going to provide for all that we need and the plans will come from Him for all that we need to do. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? That when the kingdoms of the world are shaking, the kingdom of God 
cannot be shaken. Now, if you can believe it, the story doesn't end here about bread. It's kind of crazy. So they're pressing Jesus for this miracle of manna. If Moses gave us manna every day, fed us for 40 years. Why don't you feed us for 40 years? And Jesus just keeps going. They're pressing him. They're pressing him. And the story keeps going. Now it gets even more intense. And let's pick that story up right now. I think this is at verse 53. Jesus replies to them. They're pressing him. They're pushing him. Listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. The Father of life has sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and then later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. The next line is a heartbreaking line. Verse 66. And from this time, many of the disciples turned their backs on Jesus and refused to be associated with him. Wow. You know, Jesus wasn't talking about physically eating his blood, drinking his blood and eating his flesh. He goes on to say that, you know, to be sure, these words are spiritual words. But they misunderstood God. They misunderstood Christ. These are his followers. These are his disciples. And they're pressing in. They're like, we don't understand Jesus, and we're not going to follow you anymore. Do you know, church, that there comes times in our lives as believers where things are going to happen, and we're going to be like, I don't know what you're doing, God. I can't see what you're doing. I don't understand it. I'm choosing not to follow you anymore. I believe there are some of you watching here today that that is you. You've been disappointed by God. You've been disillusioned by God. You've not understood something, and so you turned your back on him, but now you know that you desperately need him. And I want you to know something. He's not angry at you. He loves you, and he wants you to come home. He wants you to come back to him. Hallelujah. He wants you to turn Come back home to your father. That's his heart. That's his intention. You know, I want you to understand, church, that communion, this idea of, of you know, what we're going through here and what, Paul, what he's talking about with communion and, and really the Lord's Supper, we're coming to the table of the Lord. That's what Jesus is referring to here, another aspect of bread. <laughs> and he's saying the Lord's Supper really is the lens through which we see all other provision. It's what we understand and come to know what God is doing. Why? Because the Lord's Supper reminds us of the sacrifice of the Lord in order the price that he paid for us. It reminds us of the provision of salvation that he delivered us from our sin and our brokenness. He provided for us. It reminds us to look more than for ourselves. It shows us that, you know, like Jesus lived, he lived sacrificially and he, and he lived in a way that was about others. You know, that's what the Lord's Supper reminds us of. We're to take that and remember to live for more. It also connects us to the mission of God, church. You see, us building that big house in Fort McMurray wasn't about having a big house. It was so that we would have money for the mission of the kingdom here in Mournville and Surgeon County and surrounding area. 
That's what God wanted. So when we're praying, give us this day our daily bread. We're connecting to all of these things that we've just talked about. We're not just talking about provision physically and emotionally and socially. Everything we need for life and godliness. We're talking about the bread of provision spiritually. That we will feast on Christ. And if we will feast on Christ, we have the provider. We come back home to the provider. The provision will follow. Our needs are met both now and in eternity. We need to see clearly and correctly Jesus. And I think that's part of the issue of why the disciples, the followers of Jesus, some of them left him at that moment. I'm going to just kind of wind it down with this one last thought about bread. It's interesting because Jesus at that point, after many of the disciples left him, he turned to the 12 and he said this question, will you too also leave me? Wow. And I love Peter's answer. Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? We're fully convinced. We, you, know, you give us the revelation of, of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we believe in you. You see, Peter had a revelation. He had a revelation of Christ. He saw the face of God because he daily was communing with Jesus even though he didn't understand what he was going through. He didn't understand this whole idea of body and blood and, and, and what is Jesus talking about. He knew he could still trust God because he saw God. And so it leaves us with a question. Will you trust him right now? Will you believe him and turn to him in the midst of what we're going through in this world right now? Or will you be the one that walks away? I pray for you that you will be the one who trusts in the Lord and walks with the Lord and grows in your understanding. You know, I grew up knowing about God, but I didn't know that I could know God. And most of you know this story that before my 21st birthday, I went to my sister-in-law's baptism. And uh, that old preacher was preaching from the pulpit and pointing right at me. And he said, young man, the spirit of the Lord is on your life. Take up your anchor and let the winds of God blow in the sails of your life and lead you into the great destiny and story, basically. I never knew what was happening in that moment. I didn't fully understand who Jesus was, nor do I understand who he is now even. But I can tell you this, my salvation prayer was kind of pathetic. This is what it was. That old preacher came down off that platform and he said, can I pray with you? And I said, sure. And so this was my prayer. He didn't lead me. I just prayed. This was what I said. I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. (laughs) That was it. That was my moment of turning to God. Because I really didn't know him, but I had a revelation in that moment of the fact that God loved me, was for me, and not against me. Now later I prayed the prayer, you know, like, you know, forgive me my sins and come and live in my heart and, and all those things. But I want you to understand, God is not as kind of ridiculous with religious forms as we are. You can pray an honest prayer to God right now and just say, God, would you please come in and help me? Because I want to have the provider so that I can have the provision. And if that's you here today, we're going to pray a prayer right now for you. 
If you want to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, if you want to ask him to forgive your sins, just pray a real genuine, honest prayer with him right now. And invite him in. Say, I need your help. Because I want to have the provider so that I will always know that the provision is with him. Just pray that prayer in your own words right now. Amen and amen. Church, you are loved. You are being remembered every day in prayer. We long for the day when we can gather together again and encourage one another. But for now, we're so thankful that we have this medium to be able to do that. Let me pray a blessing as we depart. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious toward you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.